0: Some time ago I mentioned that I was going to preach a message on gluttony, and that's what we want to look at this morning. I don't know how many messages you've ever heard on gluttony, but uh, Lord willing, you'll hear one this morning. It's the kind of message that makes a preacher kind of want to suck in his gut and stand up straight and stay behind the pulpit. Uh, it's It's kind of one of those, and I'm not sure... Owen talked about confusion and I hope this morning is when the Lord wanted me to share this but I was thinking this weekend maybe I was a little confused in doing it today because our Yoder Christmas Fellowship got canceled back around Christmas because of sickness and it's scheduled for today. There are a number of people sitting here that I think will be there so I'm not sure how that's going to go this afternoon I suppose my food choices and intake may be scrutinized a little more than if this was not, if that wasn't going on today. So what is gluttony and how might it relate to you this morning? We often relate it to overeating. That's often what we think of, first of all, when we think of gluttony and some of the things I've just shared would kind of go along with that. And someone has said it's really greed or doing what we want no matter the cost. One definition I came across, and I'm not sure who this was that put this down, but said the sin of gluttony is idolatry. It is a choice of self-love, comfort, and control through food. And Webster would say this, one, it is excess in eating or drinking, and catch the drinking part there, or... Secondly, greedy or excessive indulgence, and that can be in a lot of things, and I think we'll see that throughout the message this morning. The Hebrew word is kind of interesting that is used for gluttony, and the word itself, gluttony, gluttonous, uh, those words aren't used a lot in the King James uh, Version of the Bible. You'll see it a few more times in some other versions. But the Hebrew word, uh, zelol, is means to be worthless, vile, to make light of. Kind of a little bit different than maybe what we think of. It's translated into King James actually to flow down, something that is flowing down, vile, glutton. Uh, riotous eaters or riotous. The Greek word is phagos and phagos. It just means a man who consumes a lot of food. And you'll see that in Matthew 11 and Luke 7. We won't turn to those right now. We'll turn to one here in just a moment. But in the scriptures and in history, it's often connected with excessive drinking as well. Uh, a glutton and a drunkard often go together. And so it, has, it shows that there's a lack of control in more than just one area. It's not just obvious in eating. It takes something that God created that was good and uses it improperly. And you'll notice that throughout history, uh, there are often, you can uh, read historical events of or different cultures of lavish food food banquets and banqueting and, and how they would try to eat all kinds of expensive food and so forth. And it was often at the expense of the poor people that didn't have. It showed who they were in society. The Catholic Church lists gluttony as one of the seven deadly sins. Now, if you go to the Scripture and try to find a list of the seven deadly sins, you're not going to find it as such. Those sins are all there, but they classified those, and that was one of them. So in the message this morning, some things that I would like for us to see... And I'll give you these points at the beginning here. First of all, how we can tend to judge who we think are gluttons. And what the Bible says about gluttony, we'll look at some passages of Scripture, how it relates to greed and lack of control, which is a form of idolatry, Um, how it overlooks others' needs sometimes, um, how it relates to taking care of our bodies, and how many other indulgences that we can have in our lives are also and maybe your form of gluttony if food isn't your form. So first of all, I want to look at that thing about judging maybe who we think are gluttons and who aren't. And so we kind of tend to point fingers at people sometimes. And often we look at someone who we consider to be overweight and we say, well, they've got the sin of gluttony. And uh, so we kind of categorize that. They must be a glutton and and we're not. If we're not overweight or maybe not quite as overweight as they are. So they're a glutton and I'm not. We kind of tend to do that. And I would like for us to consider the fact that there are other reasons why someone may struggle with their weight or be overweight. Now it may be that they're a glutton. But it may not be. Uh, There are hereditary issues that... Uh, kind of predispose someone to be built a certain way. Uh, there are medical conditions, and I'm not going to get into all of those. For one, I'm not a doctor, but there are medical conditions that cause someone to be, maybe struggle with their weight more than other people. Sometimes emotional issues. Someone's working through some emotional problems, and, and uh, yes, they may fall into gluttony through that, but maybe uh, they, they're struggling with their diet through that. People have different metabolisms. I remember, uh, and I realized this man was young. Maybe now it wouldn't, we, he, maybe he's heavy now. I don't know. But I remember one time at the IBF meetings, we were just teenagers. Uh, a young man that we went into the kitchen in the off hours for some reason, and he was starving. And I tell you what, he'd, he'd find bowls of food. I mean, he just downed the stuff. And I'm thinking of my, and he was skinny as a rail. He probably had a high metabolism. Other people could have done what he did, and, uh, well, they'd have suffered from it on, uh, in their weight. People have different metabolism. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to see someone who was falsely accused of being a glutton. And maybe you know who this was already. So Matthew chapter 11 verse 18 says for John came neither eating nor drinking. Now yes he was eating food and drinking water and so forth but if you remember correctly uh, he was uh, Nazarite he uh, he was told told to his parents that he's not supposed to drink strong drink or anything like that so he did not touch any wine and uh, you can see what the Bible says about his diet. He certainly wasn't eating in a lot of banquets and so forth, from what we see from the scriptures, it said, so he came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a man gluttonous, and a wine-bibber, and a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children, or wisdom or things are justified by the fruit or what you see. So Jesus was accused, falsely accused of three things here. One, um, being a drunkard. Two, being a glutton. And three, being a friend of sinners and publicans. And so he just, that's what he says. So he was falsely accused of being a glutton. So we need to be careful that we don't falsely accuse people of being gluttons. I think it's good if we examine our own selves And see how we might fall into this category in some area in our lives. So, what does the Bible say about gluttony? One of the first things we'll see is back in Deuteronomy. So, turn there with me. We're going to look at a few different scriptures this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 21. We see here God's instructions to the children of Israel and how they were to deal with certain issues, certain people, certain problems. And in chapter 21 of Deuteronomy, starting at verse 18, it says, If a man have a, have a stubborn and rebellious son, now notice right there, he's stubborn and rebellious. He, he won't listen, he won't behave, he's, got, he's, a, he's a problem son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him Will not hearken unto him? Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out into the elders of the city um, and unto the gate of the place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, "This is this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard." And they are supposed to stone him for that activity. So basically, he was he was rebellious. He wouldn't listen to his parents. He wouldn't behave. He wouldn't change even after they uh, disciplined him. And so the accusations then are he's a drunkard and a glutton. Now, I don't think Jesus, uh, God was saying here, if someone has a little problem overeating, well, you take him out and stone him. So gluttony had more to do with just a lifestyle of excess and not being disciplined and not controlling himself. And drunkardness, drunkenness goes right along with it. Turn to Proverbs. Actually, I'll just read that one. It says, uh, Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of the flesh, uh, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty. And... Drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Again, a number of things of not having uh, controlling himself. Lazy, he's a drunkard, and he's a glutton. It's interesting, you can turn to this Genesis chapter 6, or I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It's a very familiar verse. But I found it interesting as I was studying for this, the connection between this and how it might even connect to us. Now, I realize there was something added to this, the idea of gaining wisdom through this. But notice in Genesis 3, verse 6, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also Unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So, the idea that when she looked on it, yes, it had this idea that Satan had told her, You're going to gain wisdom through it, but the food was pleasant to look at. And how many of us struggle sometimes with overeating because the food is pleasant to look at, it's pleasant to smell if you aren't affected too much by COVID, and it's pleasant to the taste? Same thing may apply. So, at least up until COVID hit, most people struggled with food looks good, it smells good, and it tastes good. And so, we eat a little too much of it. Now, I want to look at the idea of how this thing of gluttony relates to self-control. And you can turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. And when we talk about self-control... Uh, We have to remember that as Christians, we should not only have self-control, but we should have spirit control. I think both of those things should be part of our makeup as a Christian. We uh, should be able to control ourselves, but then we also have the Holy Spirit to add to that control. Now, I remember, oh, it's been a few years ago at the IBF meetings. I don't know why I've got stories from the IBF meetings this morning, but another one comes to my mind I was visiting with a minister there a pastor from another state and I'm not even exactly sure how we got to talking about this we got on a subject and he said well he said I'll tell you one thing I struggle with I'm going to just say the words he used he said one of the things I struggle with is that is uh, fat preachers He said, they get up there and they talk about how we're supposed to be self-controlled when it comes to lust and pride and all this other stuff. And it's obvious they can't control themselves when they eat. Well, again, I understand his point, but I go back to some of those things I said at the beginning of the message. Maybe he should find out a little bit more why a brother uh, struggles with that area. But there is a sense in which if we cannot control ourselves in that area, can we control ourselves in other areas? And we might see that again in the next uh, section, but in Second Timothy, uh, starting in verse in chapter three, starting at verse one, it says, "For this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves." Okay, there you go. We love ourselves. So if we love ourselves, we can do whatever we want, right? We can eat, we can drink, we can whatever. And notice the things that go along with it covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, in other words, no self control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. So those are some of the things that, that kind of go along with a man or a woman who have no self-control. Turn over to Titus chapter 1. Just a, probably a page or so in your Bible there. And I'll read uh, verse 12 and the first part of verse 13. Paul talking here about uh, some, a group of people and he says, One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said... The Cretans are always liars. Now, I, you look at this as like, wow, he kind of categorized a whole group of people here. But he's he kind of quoting one of their own people that said it. He said they're um, always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true, he says. Now, the idea of the slow bellies there, your Bible might, depending on what translation you have, it might say lazy gluttons. In other words, they were lazy they didn't want to work and they ate way too much and so that's one of the things the scripture talks about regarding uh, not being able to control oneself and notice it puts it in the category with liars and people that are evil well if you can't control yourself and what you eat you might not be able to control yourself and what you say and so you, they were liars they they tended to lie Turn back in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. And we'll look at verses 17 through 19. Brethren, be ye followers together as of me, and mark them which, so, uh, which walk so, as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often... And now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. More concerned about earthly things than spiritual things. And I sometimes wonder if we would spend as much effort in fasting and praying as we do in feasting and playing how it might look different and how we might see God uh, working in our lives and, uh, than, than what we do. So it kind of goes along with this idea of idolatry, lack of control, worshiping food, worshiping our bellies, worshiping the things of this earth more than the things of God. Now another area, and I don't know that this is necessarily the case as much in our culture, but it can be. But one of the reasons that God uh, considers gluttony a sin is because it often uh, gives one person more than they should have and takes away from someone that has a need. So, if you turn to Ezekiel chapter 16, I'll give you a little time to turn there. uh, You'll see, we'll look at something there regarding uh, Sodom. Remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how God destroyed them. And so, God has a few things here to say about uh, what was going on in Sodom here in the book of Ezekiel. So Ezekiel chapter 16, starting at verse 49, it says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, Fullness of bread and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. we we'll are stop there. Notice that this was a fullness of bread and abundance of idleness. Again, they were lazy, they had plenty of time to do what they wanted to do, they weren't working hard, and they had a lot to eat. And if you, and again, some translations would even mention gluttony here. And in verse 50 it says, And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore I took them away as I saw good. Well, those abominations go back to their uh, sexual deviation that they had in their culture. And there seems to be a connection between if someone or a culture cannot control what they eat, they can't control a lot of their other fleshly desires as well and you'll notice that even in western culture today the idea of how so many people are have more food than they can uh, know what to do with and so we eat way too much and then you see how our lifestyles and a lot of other areas go right along with that verse 49 here I believe led to verse 50 if you think about that Turn back to another story as we think about some people eating too much at other people's expense and not caring about the poor. Uh, Go to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, and we'll look at uh, verses 19 to 23. It says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day or lavishly he really had it gone and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table moreover the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died he may have starved to death i don't know and was carried by the angels into abraham's bosom the rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. There's a problem here in this picture and I understand, like I said, in our, in our country, we tend to think that everybody can get food that wants it, and most people probably can. But worldwide, there are a lot of us that have a whole lot more than we need, and some people are starving to death. Now, again, a lot of times that has to do with uh, countries who won't get the food to the people that need it when you send it there, and, and the way, and war, and all kinds of things. It's not that we can box up the, you know, the three pieces of pizza we didn't eat, put them in a box, and wrap it up, and ship it to somebody in another country, and then they've got supper. It's not going to work quite that way. It's not quite that easy. But if you think about worldwide. This is somewhat of a problem. Um, historically, throughout cultures, rich people have eaten too much while poor people have starved or been malnutrition, and God isn't pleased with that. And I suppose we uh, somehow that speaks to us and how we should be willing to help others who are in need as well. Some studies say that more people die each day from starvation or malnutrition than from COVID-19. Now, you might debate the numbers on COVID, and I'm not going there this morning. But the fact is, that's what some recent studies are saying. In other words, perhaps as many as 25,000 people a day around the world die from starvation or malnutrition and often it's because, like I said, governments are not willing to allow the food to be distributed, distributed or taken where it needs to be taken. Now, we'll look at another thing in a moment. I quote that's from a little different angle. So we've looked at some of these areas. Now let's take a look at how does uh, this whole idea of gluttony relate to us taking care of our bodies that God has given to us. Turn to First Corinthians for a couple of passages. So in 1 Corinthians, starting out in chapter 3, and I realized that when it comes to being the temple of the Holy Spirit, there is a sense in which the brotherhood church is the temple, and also as individuals we are the temple because the Holy Spirit lives within us. And so in... uh, First Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 16, it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile or destroy the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Turn over to chapter 6, starting at verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Do you glorify God in your body if you're a glutton? That's the question. Uh, How do we How does that look when it comes to taking care of our bodies? Now, I just talked about how many people die from starvation, but Thomas Fuller, who lived uh, from 1654 to 1734, he was a British physician and preacher, he said, hunger scarce kills any, but gluttony and drunkenness multitudes. That's what he was saying. Another person who lived in the 1500s and 1600s was an Anglican priest, George Herbert. He said, gluttony kills more than the sword. Talking about wars and so forth. Now, I want to clarify a couple of things on this next little statement here. And this is according to some very recent studies. It says, poor diets worldwide kill more than smoking. So we talk about smoking and we say that's horrible and I I agree with it, shouldn't smoke. No point in trying to smoke the Holy Spirit out of a Christian's body, that's not a good thing. But according to this study, poor diets around the world kill more than what smoking does. We kind of overlook the one and are critical of the other one. One in five deaths, or about 11 million people annually, die from... uh, bad diets, overeating, and things that we eat. Now, here's what I want to clarify. One in five, well, guess what? Those people are going to die eventually anyway. Uh, So it's not as though those people would, that one in five would just never die. What they're saying is they are dying prematurely, just as smoking may cause you to die prematurely, uh, how we eat. And, you know, for me... uh, Having had open heart surgery, I probably should not eat some things that maybe it's okay for you to eat. And so I think we need to look at our, or at least in moderation anyway. I probably need to be, um, eat some things in moderation compared to some people that might be able to eat it by the plateful and a couple times a day and they're fine. So I think we need to look at our bodies and say, okay, what am I doing to my body and how do I take care of it? And I think we can all improve in ways and that, or at least a lot of us can. Some, some of you may be doing quite well. And it doesn't come down to just counting calories or donuts. Okay, It comes down to an attitude and an ability to say no to certain things and of the idea of spirit and self-control And what do I eat? And how much of it do I eat? And how often do I do that? One, um, you know, one of things sometimes we can say, okay, well, I'm just going to be careful. I'm not going to, boy, I'm going to really, really, really watch. And then uh, maybe you go somewhere for a meal and they've got a good, nice meal and everything. Well, I can't eat this, can't eat that. Well, maybe you can't for health purposes, but sometimes it does come down to moderation or, okay, today's, you know, uh, got a big day and, and you eat and how do, you, how do you do that, and how do you control yourself over the long haul? These types of things don't come down to a list of do's and don'ts uh, and making a law out of it. It comes down to an attitude. It comes down to, how do I view my body? How do I view the sin of gluttony, and how do I deal with this in my life and what's, what's right for me? And how do I and asking God to help you with that. Now I said I wanted to talk about other areas where you may be a glutton and not just in food or drink. I hope none of you are over or uh, drinking too much alcohol. You might be drinking too much pop or too much energy drinks, or something else that's not real good for you. So how does that look? So? Here's what I'm asking, and I'm going to go through a list of things, and I may not get yours, so don't think, "Aha, he didn't get mine, so I'm free." Now, if you can think of it, then you already convicted, and the Holy Spirit's doing what I'm not doing. So, there we go. So, in what area are you a glutton, or what are you addicted to? That's a little bit of what gluttony is—is is an addiction. Is it food? Is it work? Is it laziness? Is it social media? Now remember, we talked about self-control, how your usage of something maybe affects you and others. Okay? Maybe it's shopping. What do you spend your money on while others go without? Maybe it's your lack of control when it comes to watching YouTube or what else you might watch or look at. Your phone usage, the amount of time. Are you a phone glutton? Maybe you don't eat a lot, but you spend hours and hours on something that you don't have. You can't control yourself. Are you addicted to bad music, evil music? Is it your hobby? Is that an addiction? You know, even things like as good as they might be and enjoyable, Hunting, sports, a lot of those things in our lives that are maybe okay can become an addiction or we can become a glutton to that thing. Same thing with food. We all need food. But if it becomes something where we are serving food rather than it serving us and we overdo it and we can't control it and it's the wrong things all the time, then we're gluttonous. And the same thing is true for a lot of other things that in and of themselves are good and were created for good. But we can't control ourselves. We overuse it. Or we use it at someone else's expense. In Luke 22, 34, it says this. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life so that that day come upon you unawares. Talking about the Lord's return. Let's look at that. Williams translation says it this way. But ever be on your guard so that your hearts may not be loaded down with self-indulgences, drunkenness, and worldly worries and that day, like a trap, catch you unawares. So what is it in your life, or my life, that I could be called a glutton about? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And I pray, Lord, that in my life, that you just continue to convict me of things that I become addicted to or that I overindulge in or that I place ahead of you which becomes idolatry so God convict me I pray that you would uh, work in each of our lives that we would be drawn close to you and that these kinds of sins would not be part of our lives I pray this in Jesus name amen